Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NBC Sports Podcast Week uh, 10 here. My name is Andrew Sellover, your host, and I'm joined again by Connell Scruggs and J.P. Eisenhower. And this week on Black Friday, Marist is set to take on Oconee County in the quarterfinals of the GHSA 4A state playoffs. Connell, last week Marist uh, beat Carver Columbus 30-20. to What did you see in that game? Well... I mean, first thing I noticed is Carver Columbus came out uh, and looked a lot better on defense than we thought. They were a really physical, really fast team. They hit hard. A lot of big hits you saw throughout the game um, on on passes downfield, on kickoff returns. They just really wore down the Maris team as a whole. Um, and I thought that they played with Maris and kept it a really competitive game up until the, the end of the third quarter. And then when it got into the fourth quarter, Maris took back control, had that long drive down the field and were able to score and kind of ice the game in that way. And then they got the stop on fourth down that kind of iced the game. So they really gained control in the fourth quarter, which was really good and really important. JP, what did you see out of Maris last week? Well, really, it was a complete game from Maris. They looked bad a little bit in the first half. That was against a really competitive team, and you saw them really finish the game in the fourth quarter. They really dominated that fourth quarter, and that's what you want to see from Maris going forward. Maris just slipped away from in a few games in the fourth quarter, letting some late leads shrink a bit. As one of them was White County. Obviously, we win that game, but we had to put our starting offense back in. It's a really good sign to see Maris really finishing games. Yeah, the one big concern for me last week was definitely in the defensive secondary, though. There were two or three plays in that game where just broken coverage and Carver Columbus had guys wide open. Yeah, and in one of them, uh, it was a play wide open, I think. It would have been a touchdown for sure because Josh Moore, I think, or one of the safeties blew, uh, blew, blew coverage downfield, and the guy had no one within – uh, 10, 10 yards of him and he just dropped the ball went right through his hand so that would have been a touchdown that probably would have put I think it would have put um, would have put Carver Columbus up but they, you know didn't capitalize on it yeah and there was another play where busted coverage did cost Maris to touchdown I believe it was the last touchdown for Carver Columbus mm-hmm. um, wide open in the right side of the uh, end zone nobody within 10 or 15 yards of him so that's something Maris definitely needs to shore up this week against a very um, explosive Oconee County offense. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think any of us really expected the secondary to be the problem with the defense. I think we thought the stre- the secondary was going to be the strength coming into this year. They've really struggled in the playoffs. They played great in the re- regular season, but it's definitely a concern going into a game versus Oconee County. And one bright spot. I want to bring up um, is Connor Skielski. He ran for 124 yards and a touchdown, and he threw for 159 yards. Uh, so the offense really played well. And I think there were a few big plays on the receiving end that helped out Maris, especially the second play of the game was a touchdown. It was a trick. Uh, it wasn't a trick play, but it was um, just a pass. It was over a pass. The out, yeah, pass out of the triple option, which you don't see a lot, which kind of caught the Carver Columbus uh, defense off guard. So if they can use that play um, in this upcoming game or upcoming couple games, it should they should be able to capitalize off that too. Yeah, and another concern I saw is second half, two weeks in a row, the Maris defense really got worn down, and until. Uh, Kiari McCoy got hurt last week in the second half Carver Columbus was really running all over that Marist defense and I know on the sideline the Marist coaches were really 
preaching linebacker discipline and not to overrun the players and um, that we were faster than they were. But really in the second half, the linebackers struggled, the D-line struggled, everybody struggled on the defense to get stops until Kiari McCoy went out of the game. And then it turned into a pretty much must-pass situation for Carver Columbus. This week, though, another very balanced offense in Oconee County. Um, JP, what what scares you the most about this Oconee County offense? Really everything. They play great in all facets of the offense. Quarterback Max Johnson is extremely accurate. He's got a strong arm and a great spiral. He's really played incredible all season. And then you look at the running game led by senior Jimmy Boswell. He is an incredible player. He can bounce off ta- arm tackles. He's great in between the tackles. He's fast, breakaway speed, and I've seen on multiple occasions him dragging defenders for an extra five to six yards. Yeah, and, and going back to Max Johnson, last last week versus Perry, he, threw for, he went 19 for 23 passing for 253 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, and three of those went to um, Ben Noland, uh, who had seven catches and 100 and 103 yards uh, and Ben Noland is their wide receiver he's their leading receiver uh, so they have a lot of weapons especially they have both Ben Noland and their tight end Jake Johnson who is the, the younger brother of Max Johnson um, so with those weapons in the passing game and both the running game it makes them a really balanced offense like JP said yeah, and you mentioned Ben Nolan, their biggest wide receiver this year. This, um, he's a senior, and he has offers from several FCS programs as well, including uh, Jacksonville, I believe, two weeks ago he got an offer. And then we mentioned uh, Jake Johnson, the tight end, sophomore tight end, younger brother of Max Johnson. And Max Johnson, in case you guys don't know, is um, committed to LSU, uh, four-star QB commit to LSU, he had offers from pretty much everywhere except Plama and Clemson. Um, and LSU kind of stole him away from Georgia because he, he plays about 10 minutes from Athens. But um, his younger brother, mm. Jake Johnson, is a tight end sophomore, already has offers from UGA and LSU. Um, he's one of the best players on the team. And those two are actually sons of NFL quarterback Brad Johnson, who played a lot in, in um Minnesota. That's the Vikings um, quarterback who caught his own pass for a touchdown. Yes, I, it I is. Know that. And those, their, their, uh, quarterback, their quarterback is Max Johnson, his son, and then sophomore tight end uh, Jake Johnson, both sons of um, Brad Johnson. And they, they really um, help catapult that offense. And that offense is tough to stop. And we saw it last week against Perry. You mentioned, Connell, five touchdowns. They put up 39 points in the first three quarters. Um, it's going to be a big test for the Marist defense. Yeah, and talking about the defense, you look at the defense for Oconee County. They're really an underrated defense. So you hear so much about their offense, but you really don't hear too much about their defense. And they switch out a lot in their defensive formations between a 4-3 and a 3-4 eagle front. And their defensive line is a lot smaller, similar to ours, but they are so much faster than a lot of defensive lines in the league. And it's the same way with their offensive line. They're just a lot smaller players, but a lot faster players. They can get to the second level on the offensive line. And for the defense, pass rush and hitting the gaps is huge. And against a big Maris de- offensive line, these ga- this defensive line is going to really need to get- hit those holes fast because the second they get contacted, they're going to be swallowed up. 
Yeah, and you mentioned that Oconee County defense. Their defensive backs and safeties are very talented. That um, defensive backfield led by West Weeks, the um, three-star junior who has a bunch of ACC offers. He's uh, definitely the best uh, defensive back on the team, but they're um, very talented in the defensive backfield. I think it's key for Maris to get this this running game going, and that's especially what St. Pius did. I know St. Pius didn't win, but they played them very close. I believe it was a 21-7 game earlier this year. Um, that Marist might be the type of team that uh, creates problems for Oconee County because of, you said, that uh, smaller defensive line. St. Pius kind of just put six on the line and just – ran over them pretty much, not even through them. They just pushed them over. Um, and on the defensive line for Marist, you mentioned those smaller offensive linemen. It's very big key for Marist to get pressure on the quarterback, Max Johnson, so he can't pick you apart. Yeah, especially with the troubles we've seen in the secondary the past couple of weeks, you got to make him get rid of the ball quickly, like you said. Yeah, you look at it, this defense gets a lot of pressure on the quarterback. But the secondary is a really big question mark, just like Marist. It's really two very similar teams in the defensive style and how they play, and the offenses are polar opposites. Yeah, and now we're going to take a look around 4A. There's quarterfinal matchups this um, Friday night. Woodward Academy at Cartersville, probably the game of the week in 4A. Um, Cartersville hosting because of a coin flip. Both of these teams are one seeds and undefeated. And in fact, in the in the rankings, Cartersville enters at number one and Woodward at number two. So a one-two matchup in the quarterfinals. Connell, who do you like in this one and why? I mean, this one... This one's similar in, in my picking of the modern day St. John Bosco game like a couple of weeks ago. Oh, not a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. And the fact that these teams are like literally probably the same skill level uh, in terms of com- like com- in terms of being competitive with each other. In fact, Cartersville's a one point favorite over Woodward, which is that's I mean that's basically nothing. Like this game is that's too- probably just because they're hosting. Yeah, they're going. This game could go either way, really. Um, I'm just going to make my pick based on experience in the playoffs uh, in the past few years, and with that, I'm going to go with Cartersville. Although I think this game really could go either way. JP, who do you like? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Connell. I'm going to take Cartersville as well. I really like this defense, and I really trust T Webb. He's really come a long way this year from last year and when you look at cartersville the home field advantage is huge i think cartersville is going to win this one but it's going to be extremely close and Connell, you talked about experience cartersville been to the semifinals i believe three years in a row or no no not three years in a row two out of the past three years but woodward has been in the quarterfinals um five out of the past six seasons and this one might come down to the quarterbacks two very talented quarterbacks Mike Wright for Woodward Academy, a UCF commit, and T. Webb for Cartersville, the um, Louisville commit. Mike Wright is probably a better athlete, though, and um, I, I just like that Woodward offense. Um, Quante Jennings, uh, their talented running back, he's run for um, he ran for 105 yards last week against Pius and two touchdowns. That offense is just tough to stop because there's so many options. Mike Wright has a good arm, but also you have to respect him running the ball and Quante Jennings running the ball. So there's really three very tough um, uh, just options to stop for Cartersville defense. And I I don't think Cartersville's as talented as last year, so I think Woodward gets the win this week. Yeah, and really, 
this this game has the potential to be the game of the year and for a uh, competing with Marist versus Blessed Trinity with the amount of talent and and stakes that this game has right here. Mm-hmm. And we'll update you on our point standings for picks real quick. Um, coming into this week, I believe Connell has 45 points. 51. Uh, 51. 51, sorry. 51. And Andrew has um, 47. JP, you jumped ahead of me last week, 48 points. JP, you're still 0-9 <laughs> on upset picks, though. You know, <laughs> the fact that I'm 0-9 on upset picks and still one up on you, I'll take it. That shows I'm picking the games right. I'm just not picking the right games correctly. <laughs> All right. Can we quote that? Right. Can we quote that? We can quote what? <laughs> I know I, pro- I probably didn't say that right, but <laughs> the games that are counting for more, I'm not getting right, but I'm getting the ones that count for one point right. Okay, better said there. And we'll move that's, into that's much um, better said. We'll move into the second quarterfinal bo- bottom right quadrant here. West Warren's at Blessed Trinity. Um, Blessed Trinity again hosting because of a coin flip. Both of these teams are also one seeds. Um, and Blessed Trinity and West Warrens both enter at 11 and 1. Uh, this is the first time they've ever met. And West Warrens is having the best year, I think, in program history, maybe. This offense is so good. Blessed Trinity is favored by seven points. Um, but this is another very probably tightly contested ball game. Connell, who do you like? I like Blessed Trinity in this one. Also, going off my point for the Cartersville Woodward game, their experience in the playoffs is is pretty much unmatched. They've won uh, the last two state championships, um, and they they really just know how to get it done in the playoffs. As well as um, their running attack with Elijah Green and Justice Haynes, been saying it pretty much every single week, every single time we talk about them. They're the best running back duo in the state, probably with Elijah green going to unc uh next year and justice haynes most likely going to a d1 school um in his future as he's just a freshman right now um but with that running attack i just i don't see how you're going to win the time of possession versus blessed trinity uh and i just don't see how you're going to be be the team that's just that experienced at home jp who do you like in this one I'm going to have to agree with you, Connell. I don't think West Lawrence can slow down this BT rushing attack. It's really a two-headed monster. This is one of the best running back duos you're going to see in Georgia right now. Um, I don't. West Lawrence has really improved from last year, but I don't think they're good enough right now to compete with Blessed Trinity. I don't know about that. I think this one's really close. West Lawrence is probably... West Lawrence and Sandy Creek might be the two best offenses in 4A. Um, and Woodward, probably. Those are probably the top three offenses. They average more than 200 yards rushing and 200 yards passing a game. So they're averaging over 400 yards a game on offense. And their quarterback, A.J. Mathis, has passed for over 2,200 yards. He's their biggest threat. And I know Blessed Trinity has a good defense. They have a good defensive line. But it's still going to be tough for them to stop uh, West Horns. I think West Horns might cover in this one, but BT gets a close win. Um, Marist at Oconee County is the third uh, quarterfinal top right of the bracket. And then bottom right of the bracket is Ma- Madison County at Sandy Creek. And this is by far the worst, worst matchup in the quarterfinals. Um, not really much competition down there for Sandy Creek. It's a, just a weak Weak quadrant, I guess you could say. They they had to play Denmark first round, but after that it was 
Smooth sailing to the semifinals, I believe, for Sandy Creek. They're favored by 31 this week. Connell, what do you yeah. um, like about Sandy Creek? I mean, I think we're all going to agree. Uh, I think Sandy Creek is going to take this one over Madison County. Um, they've just been down in the past two games, beating Denmark 42-7 to and then being America's, beating America's Sumter 56-7. to um, So, you know, I think that'll probably be un- unanimous among us, but Sandy Creek. Yeah, I mean, this offense for Sandy Creek is incredible. They've played great all season, especially against some of the better defenses like Carsville. I really don't see a defense being able to stop this offense. The only hope you're going to have against this team is trying to outscore them, which is kind of hard. Carsville was able to do it, but I don't know many teams that are going to be able to do it. Yeah, I think Sandy Creek blows them out this week. Honestly, it's pretty sad that a team like uh, that the GHSA brackets set up for a team like Madison County to reach the quarterfinals. I mean, all due respect to Madison County, they've, they've played good games and beat teams in the playoffs, to, but they come in at four and six in, into the playoffs, and the fact that they're making the quarterfinals over a team like uh, Flowery Branch or Cedartown is kind of ridiculous because they would get blown out by those teams. I think Sandy Creek absolutely dominates this week and gets into the, the um, semifinals. We're going to now move into um, college football for the week, rivalry week in college football. Um, just a quick recap of last week. Biggest game probably uh, Oregon goes down to Arizona State. Um, Tom Herman gets a big win, big program win for Arizona State. Um, so I th- that puts definitely puts Oregon out of the playoff contest. Connell, if Utah wins out, which – they have Colorado this week. It's likely. Do you think they can beat Oregon in the Pac-12 playoff? Um, do I think I, they can beat Oregon? I think that'll be a close game, but with the way Oregon looked against Arizona State, it's definitely leaning more toward the side of Utah now. Before that game, uh, Oregon versus Arizona State, I really I thought Oregon would be the favorite, but now I think it's it's going to be Utah. And you know, if they win that game versus in the Pac-12 championship, I, I think they'd be the four seed going into the playoff because they have the one loss um, to USC, which isn't a great loss, doesn't look great, but you know the Pac-12 championship win and a win over Oregon um, it's definitely going to look good for the committee. So I think they, if they, if they win out and beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship, they can make the college football playoff for the first time, and also. Uh, leave Alabama out for the first time in history. They have a chance to yeah, do JP, that. Yeah, JP, do you agree with that? If Alabama wins against Auburn this week and Utah wins out winning the Pac-12 championship, do you think Utah's in over Alabama? I think it really depends on a few factors. One for me is going to be how big is that win over Oregon? If it is a very convincing win, I think they'd have to go in over Alabama. And I really think that they could get a really convincing win here. They have a really great run game, an incredible offense, and really a solid defense. This is a really complete team, and I think Utah has the ability to really not blow out Oregon, but definitely make it a little bit of a harder get, a little bit of a further away game. As far as maybe like, I'd say they win by ten, and that'd be a pretty good margin for them. And when you look at it, also that USC loss is looking better and better as USC keeps winning and is now a ranked team, and. USC might not be one of the best teams this year, but I'll say it on record right now. USC is a top five team next year with all the freshmen and sophomores they have on their team. Do you think um, Helton stays at USC after this year, JP? I'm not 100% sure on that. It looks like they are not too committed to him, but I feel like after that UCLA win 
and really where this program is going, I don't see them being able to fire him. And also, JP, um, what you talked about the margin of victory versus uh, Oregon, right, in the Pac-12 championship. What would be the convincing? What would be a convincing win for you that would propel them? That would, you think would make the committee like really, really put them in over Alabama? I think it has to be a two-score win, and I would prefer to see it be a ten-point win. And not just that, but I wanted to see them dominate on both sides of the football. I want them to limit Oregon's points and really run the ball down Oregon's throat and control the clock. They might not put up a lot of points by doing that, but they will they can get a 10-point win by doing that. And they could definitely show the committee that they're a team that needs to be considered for that fourth spot. And also talking about further about the playoff picture, uh, the team that is competing, that's fighting to get a spot in is Alabama. And they have a huge game against Auburn coming up this week in the Iron Bowl. Um, and the big factor here is going to be Mac Jones, in my opinion. I think he, if he has a good game, Alabama has the chance to win this game by about, I think, 10 points. If, if, they, if Mac Jones has a good game, they can win this game by about 10 points. However, if he has you know, his, his game where he's, thrown, he's missing five 10-yard passes and looking like Bo Nix, then that could be a different story with, story with Auburn's defense. And real quick before we move into our picks for the week and previewing the Iron Bowl and a few others, um, it's rivalry week. JP, what do you think is the best rivalry in college football? The best rivalry has to be Ohio State versus Michigan. Maybe not this year as much. It looks like Ohio State's really going to blow out in that game. But when you look at it, it's just such a historic one. And you look at all the games that have been played and how great it's been to watch this year after year. It's really an incredible game to watch every year. I mean, other than the kick six, I'd say Alabama's <laughs> mostly dominated that uh, series with Auburn. But, um, you know, as long as the Alabama game doesn't go come down to a 50-yard field goal. I think Alabama's <laughs> going to be good this week. Um, I'm going to have to disagree with you there. I think, JP, you know where I'm going with this. Uh, I, I think <laughs> I think the best rivalry in college football has got to be the Iron Bowl. I mean, two in-state teams, pretty much the only competitive teams in Alabama competing across the state. Um, this one's Unlike you've said, JP, Alabama really hasn't dominated. It's been a 46. It, the all-time record is 46 to 36 and one. Alabama leads it. So Alabama has a 560 winning percentage. So it's really not that dominating for Alabama overall. Um, and, you know, there's been so many legendary games produced out of that. The kick six, kick as six. you said. Um, <laughs> the kick six, as you said. And then the cam back a, a few years back um, where Auburn came back from 24-0. You know, I hate saying this, but you got to give Auburn you credit. You got saying it. You got, I'm sure you loved reliving all these moments. <laughs> you got to give credit to Auburn where credit is due. Um, and then – you know, in the period back in the early 2010s where um, at the end of the BCS era, I think the BCS ended in 2013, right? Or did it end in 2014? Yeah, 14. 14. Okay, 2014. Well, ending in 2014, the last five champions of the BCS um, were either Auburn or Alabama. So that, that kind of competitiveness in the recent era, I think it, it's got to be the Iron Bowl. Yeah, guys, I like both of those rivalries. Probably the two best rivalries on this weekend. Um, but outside of this weekend, a uh, big fan of the Red Rival- Red River uh, rivalry. That's a good that one. Might, that might also be the good. most heated uh, rivalry in all of college football right now. There's almost always a fight in that game every year. Both um, teams were penalized. Every player <laughs> yeah. on both teams were penalized before the game even started. 
And then maybe the rivalry with the most just history all around is Army-Navy, but that's mm. not this week. That's um, in two weeks' time, I believe. So that's probably the most, most historic game, and those teams almost always play each other close. But um, I agree. Auburn-Alabama and Ohio State-Michigan – uh, Ohio State, Michigan are probably the two best for this weekend. And, and you got to love it when the two branches of the U.S. military are fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to move into some picks for this week. Um, three top, three big top twenty-five matchups. Actually, I believe there's four top twenty-five matchups, but one of them's uh, Cincinnati and Memphis, and. We'll touch on that one later. But first off, Iron Bowl, Alabama favored by three and a half. This one's at Jordan Hare, though. JP, you going to take the tide or take Bo Nix? This is going to be the game of the year when you have two elite quarterbacks, Mac Jones. And I can't can't even finish the sentence, but Bo Nix and Mac Jones are not good quarterbacks. I think when you look at their defenses, Auburn has the edge. When you look at skill position players, Alabama has the edge. And I really like Najee Harris. And I know this Auburn defense is really good. But I think as long as it doesn't come down to a 50-yard field goal, Alabama <laughs> will win this one. Oh, God. Not, don't, don't bring up the kickers, please. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go with – I'm also going to go with Alabama in this one. Um, I think Mac Jones is going to be a big factor in whether Alabama can win or not because he – it's more of him not having a bad game than him having a good game. Like Nick Saban knows that that Mac Jones is not Tua Tagovailoa, so he's not going to require him to make those passes. He's going to give him five yard slants. He's going to give him screens. He's not going to really. He's not going to force Mac Jones to try to make a play. He's going to give him nice, easy passes, uh, and it's going to look more of the Nick Saban of old. Like the quarterback is the game manager, and you really just feed your running back. So it's going to put a lot of pressure on Najee Harris to play well. Um, but, you know, with those screens and those slants, Alabama's look good all year. The wide receivers, that wide receiver core is probably the best in the nation. Um, but they're going to face a tough challenge in Auburn's defense. Uh, so I am going to take Alabama over Auburn. Uh, I, this one's tough. Very pick close this week. game, I, though. Very, very close. Najee Harris, they, they're going to want to have to lean on Najee Harris a lot, but I just don't know how Alabama's going to be able to get that running game going. I mean, that Auburn defense, they shut down LSU for the most part, only gave up 23 to LSU, who might have the best offense in the country. And without Tua, Alabama's going to want to lean on that running game with Najee. But that Auburn defensive line is so good that I don't think they can lean on that um, defense, uh, that running game too much. They're going to have to, Auburn's going to force Alabama to have to throw the ball. They're going to force their offense to have to go with Mac Jones throwing the ball. And that scares me a little bit. I think this is a defensive um, battle. I think it's low scoring. And in those games, oftentimes field position uh, is key. And Auburn definitely has the advantage in the kicking game, which is oftentimes key in these games. But <laughs> oh, God. that Keep offense, I just, I just don't know how that Auburn offense is going to score points, even yeah. against an Auburn offense. Because they didn't, they barely scored against LSU. The reason they scored was not because, I mean, they scored 20 points against LSU, whose defense is about the same as Alabama's. I, 
Yeah, I just don't I see know that I can place. This. I don't know that I don't know if I can place my trust in Bonix <laughs> winning this game for Auburn. I mean, if if Bonix. if Auburn Dude. gets if Auburn gets a defensive turnover score, maybe if they can score a touchdown on defense, uh, maybe they win this game. But I don't I think mean, I, I don't think Bonix can win a game. Yeah, Andrew, I can see where you're coming from considering Bo Nix missed a fourth and two check down to a wide open uh, running back. That was about three yards away. Um, so I see where your concerns are there. Uh, and Bo Nix just really hasn't shown up in any big game so far. So uh, that that's where that's where it looks like it, it's going to be a defensive battle. That's that's what it's that's what I'm going to say. And Bo picks he might throw a couple in this game. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Alabama's really going to need to capitalize on defense though. Yeah, Auburn needs uh, Aaron McLaughlin to get there as soon as possible. Um, and, I mean that they need a they need a boost on that offense because they've struggled all year. I mean, the, if they had any sort of offense, they would be a national championship contender because of how good their defense is. Um, but I think don't. they would have beat. They probably would have beaten LSU. They would have beaten Florida. They would have beaten. Uh, Georgia, so they would be a national championship contender with an offense. Uh, we're going to move into another big rivalry game. JP, you touched on it. Ohio State, Michigan. Ohio State's only an eight-point favorite, and this game's at the big house. Connell? Uh, I got Ohio State in this one. They really haven't looked vulnerable all year, um, and I think they are the best all-around team in the nation. I think they're better all-around on deep than LSU is. LSU is really, in my opinion, just a really souped-up Oklahoma from a couple years ago with Kyler Murray and uh, and Baker Mayfield, those kind of teams where they don't really have that too much of a defense, but they can kill you on offense. But I think Ohio State's got a defense with them too. And Chase Young. Let's just bring up um, Chase Young, who is the best defensive end, probably the best Definitely the best college football player um, right now. So you look at that. He, I mean, I think how many sacks does he have? He's he has like sixteen sacks and he missed two games. Something like yeah, that. Something, something like, that. like he that. He had like two and a half last week. I mean, I know. it's ridiculous. He's 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 going to get to the quarterback. Michigan isn't stopping Ohio State on offense. It's I mean, Ohio State's going to win this one. I think they're going to cover. It's an eight point. Ohio State's only an eight point favorite, which I think. I mean, I don't think. I think they're going to cover that, even though Michigan has looked really good over the past few weeks. Yeah, I'm going to take Ohio State as well. Obviously, there's a few concerns about Justin Fields. It doesn't look like it was too severe of an injury, but obviously when a mobile quarterback has a lower leg injury, it's a little bit more concerning than if a normal quarterback would. I still think, though, Dobbins and this offense is they're just too good to be stopped. And I think this Ohio State defense has really been one of the best defenses in college football this year. And really, Chase Young, as long as he doesn't receive any more loans, I think he's going to have, <laughs> he's going to be in the discussion for the highest move. And um, I think Ohio State wins this one and wins big. Yeah. And you mentioned Justin Fields. I mean, that, that was a, that was a two like almost injury. That was scary. just where you leave the quarterback in for an extra play where he doesn't need to be in on fourth down, and he's escaping the pocket and gets tackled and almost hurts himself. I mean, he'll be fine, but that was a scary moment for all Ohio State fans. And that stadium, the horseshoe was absolutely dead silent. <laughs> that was um, the one thing that could derail their season. Yes, it, it was because they just don't have a backup quarterback. Um, but. I think he's fine. I think they'll be fine. I think the crowd noise might affect him a little bit. I mean, this week, you know, the big house will be loud. Um, 
Oh, Michigan hasn't beaten Ohio State in the past four years with John Harbaugh, and the streak continues five in a row, even though Michigan's trending upward. Final game we'll pick before we move into upset picks, Wisconsin-Minnesota. This one has big, big um, Big Ten playoff implications here. Um, I think Wisconsin's favored by two and a half, and I believe Wisconsin is hosting this game. JP, who do you like in this one? You know, this one was a really tough one for me, but I think Wisconsin is going to end up winning over Minnesota. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be really the key in this game. I think he needs to have a Heisman performance in order to win this game, and I think he's going to be able to do that. Wisconsin's defense, they were really great at the beginning of the season. They really haven't shown too much as of late, but I think against Minnesota in a game they have to win, this is going to be where that Wisconsin defense finally comes back after that Illinois upset. Uh, I'm going to go with the upset here. I'm going to go with Minnesota beating Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin is what? I think a two and a half point favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two and a half point favorite in this one. Um, Minnesota, you know, the, that loss to Iowa, it, it was at home and it was by four. So it was at home at Iowa. So it was at Iowa and they don't really, Iowa does not lose at home really. They're a dominant team at home. Uh, so that's understandable loss. Um, I think, you know, they're going to come in this one fighting. They're, I think they're going to beat Wisconsin. The Golden I agree with Gophers. you there, Connell. I think, I think the Golden Gophers are going to the Big Ten Championship <laughs> this year. I think they take down Wisconsin on the road, bounce back. I mean, I, I kind of figured that after they got that huge program win over Penn State at home, it was going to be tough to continue that momentum on the road at Iowa. So I kind of figured it was going to be a tough test, and they fell to Iowa. I think they keep... This going though, I I think they keep rowing the boat, as uh, PJ Fleck <laughs> likes to say. Um, I think they get a big win on the road, underdogs against Wisconsin, and I think they keep their playoff hopes alive. If this Minnesota Golden Gopher team wins out, they're getting in the college football playoff uh, for their first time in program Definitely. history. Um, we're gonna move into upset picks before signing off for the day. Connell, who do you like this week? I have Cincinnati over Memphis. So this Memphis is favored uh, by 11 points in this one. And Cincinnati's just kind of always been an underrated team. They're kind of just, they fly below the radar, but they're always a pretty solid team. They've been that for the last couple of years. Um, only team they've lost to this year is Ohio State. Uh, and that's, I mean, I don't even have to explain that loss because it's to Ohio State and they haven't shown any weakness. Um, and... You know, I think Memphis playing Cincinnati, a close team. They played SMU earlier this year and were able to win that game. Um, but I don't think it's going to be enough to beat Cincinnati this week. Yeah, and that's the fourth-ranked matchup for the week. It's There's a bunch of good matchups this week. Uh, JP, who do you like uh, to pull off an upset this week? Last week, I was really close with my Temple pick. A blocked extra point return was really the difference in that game. And without that... They Temple would have upset Cincinnati, and I would have had my first of the year. Boo. I think I get the first of the year this week nope. with Texas Tech over Texas. I really don't like how Texas has looked all season. Then in the last game against Baylor, basically epitomized their entire season. When you look at the score, it looks a lot closer than it was because at the end they score really a garbage time touchdown with like two, two four seconds left. They're really not the team we thought they were going to be coming into the season. And this Red Raiders offense, led by quarterback Jet Duffy, I really believe in this offense. I think they're a team that could really pull off an upset against a lot of really good teams. 
And then on defense, Douglas Coleman, the third, eight interceptions in the season. They're getting turnovers and they're getting the ball back to their offense. And their offense, we know what a Texas Tech offense can do. I think they get the upset in this one. Well, let me just say congratulations to the Texas Longhorns for getting another big win this week. Um, they can thank JP for that one. Um, Jinxing Texas Tech this week. Congratulations to JP on an 0-10 upset uh, season so far. Um, my pick this week, uh, I think Vanderbilt will take down the University of Tennessee. Um, last week, the University of Tennessee got an absolutely monumental win over the Missouri Tigers. Um, I knew that was coming. I knew Missouri would lose uh, three in a row. And believe it or not, Missouri's only a 12-point favorite over Arkansas this week. And if they lose that one, they're not bowl eligible, JP. Um, but I think UT, they won a big game over Mizzou last week. And after they started off so poorly this season, they get to 6-5, and five, and they're in a bowl already. I don't think there's... I think they kind of slack off this week, knowing that they already got in the bowl. And what's the point of being seven and five or six and six? It's just I think Vanderbilt comes out with a bunch more to fight for. I know they're three and eight, but they have a bunch more to fight for in this rivalry game than Tennessee does. <laughs> I think uh, Vanderbilt gets a big one this week. Um, that'll pretty much do it for this week on the uh, NBC Sports podcast. As always, NBC will bring be bringing you live coverage of. Marist versus Oconee County, a big playoff game. GHSA 4A quarterfinals down on Hog Mountain Road in Athens. Um, be sure to tune in on Friday, day after Thanksgiving, 7 o'clock for the NBC pregame show, 7.30. Um, hopefully we'll have some better Wi-Fi signal this week and bring you a full full broadcast this week. So be sure to tune in on the NFHS network Um uh, Phil Etheridge and Jerry Novak will be on the call again. Thanks for tuning into the podcast again this week and um, have an absolutely amazing Thanksgiving, everyone, and be sure to tune in on Friday. Thank you.